live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. On this channel, we are sophisticated worldly people, and as such, it takes a lot to impress us. Oh my God, that cloud looks like a dog. Are you, are you seeing this? This is the Press Box. Being out there against the Nets, I realized that basketball is an impossible sport played by giants and gods. With Grainy and Bischoff. Tweet it, talk it, put it in your pocket. I've made a flimsy take and I'm proud of it. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. Shout out to a simpler time Not in yet. America when all of us were captivated <laughs> by the California Raiders. Now here we go, I think. Man, whoever's in here last was deaf. <laughs> I Jesus, am, I, I can't hear anything. Uh, how is your tooth, Jared? It's not really there. <laughs> Jared spent the majority of yesterday telling us how he thought he might have, like, a dislocated jaw because of how his mouth slash tooth felt. And yesterday he went to the dentist. Took care of it? Uh, Well, that's what's weird is, yes, I think they took care of it, but I was kind of out of it for most of it. And the smell wasn't nice. <laughs> the so, smell? What? Were they burning through your mouth? Yeah, I'm pretty right. sure they were burning through my mouth and they were... Drilling? Uh, yeah, drilling. And I don't... I'm okay with, like, there being a drill in there. The problem is, is the smell of, like, the flesh and tooth burning are not, n- not great. On another happened, did you have snow yesterday in your house? No. <laughs> No snow. I don't believe that it snowed. I don't. Aren't you in Henderson? You didn't get any snow. Really? Yeah. That's where all the pictures and videos were coming from. Nope. Not real. Not real. Snow wasn't real. I didn't see it. Wow. You must have been the only one. Not real snow. If you had snow, would you've gone outside? I mean, no. To do what? I don't know. I walked my dogs while it was not raining. But okay. I wouldn't have just walked out in the snow. That's stupid. wonder what the dogs would have thought of it. Oh, I would have hated it. They didn't like the, the rain yesterday. Slowly walking? Yeah. Oh, no. Running. Oh, the bulldog, really? Even the, bull, the bulldog? Bulldog's moving. Every time he's outside and it's cold, he's moving. Got to get the hell back inside. <laughs> Got he's, the sweater on? He's, he's willing to go in other people's houses to get out of it. <laughs> he's just mad at you. Like, why, why are we doing yes, this? Yes, exactly. He wants to go outside, and then he realizes, oh, it's cold. Take me back. Do either have them? Do either of them have sweaters? Uh, neither have been wearing one recently, okay. but our Shih Tzu definitely has one. Yeah. We put one on the bulldog yesterday. It's important. Yeah. Dog accessories. Exactly. The first bite. Sorry. Every time I look at Jared, he's grimacing. I'm d- <laughs> who I didn't check what the headphone volume was at. So whatever I oh, like turned on, put my headset on, I was deafened for a like small amount of time. Whoever was in here last night is apparently deaf. Because <laughs> Jesus, are the Raiders going to trade Derek Carr soon? I thought they said he wasn't a, he like wasn't even allowed to seek a trade yet. Yeah, that's what the the Raiders have not given him permission to seek a trade. Jared, you should almost read the rundown. Um, so Vic Tafer reported yesterday that the Raiders haven't given Carr's agent permission to talk to other teams. It's January 31st. The deadline for Derek Carr to be traded or cut is February 15th. After February 15th, his 2023 salary becomes fully guaranteed and seven and a half million of his 2024 salary becomes fully guaranteed. It works out to roughly $40 million total. That'll be guaranteed to Carr if he's on the Raiders roster after February 15th. 15th, but I was on the wrong rundown. The key detail here is that Derek Carr has a no trade clause. 
and has to approve any trade. So the Raiders not allowing Carr's agent to talk to other teams about a trade is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it. Derek Carr has some leverage, obviously, most leverage because he has a no-trade clause, right? Uh, he, he can deny any trade. Um, and I think, as Vic wrote, um, they're trying to gain some leverage here because they're worried that if he talks, let's say, to the Colts, it's more about what could we get if he's cut and he's a free agent instead of, well, you know, well, what about a trade here because we're going to probably reject it anyway. So I think they're trying to gain back some leverage by not allowing him to seek trades. My question is, though, uh, and they're at the Senior Bowl this week, and that's where a lot of things happen or a lot of discussions are, are made. Uh, I was talking to Q yesterday about it. Um, do they now go and try to create their own trade? Without without Carr's agent, and then just bring him, bring him different trades to see if he'll say yes or no on them. Well, why would they just now be starting? They should have I mean, been trying to trade Derek Carr. I the mean, second we don't they we don't know whether right. or not that they haven't started right. started but yet. If they just now start at the Senior Bowl, if you got to fire everybody, they should if. have been trying to trade him the second they benched him. So if yeah. they if they haven't started we're not sure yet, yet, we're not that's sure about that incompetence from a front office. I assume they've been trying to trade him, but at the same time, if they've been trying to trade him and had any success whatsoever, I would assume Derek Carr would have or his agent would have spoken to the teams that they have been trying to trade him to, because Carr has to approve it. So I, I mean, if Carr hasn't talked to any other team. Do the Raiders think in the next two weeks they're going to agree to a trade with the Colts, the Commanders, the Jets, whoever, and then just bring it to Carr and say, here you go, what do you think? I mean, they might be thinking that. I don't know if Derek Carr would okay it at that point. Right. So it, it seems to me as though you, listen, you can be worried that Derek Carr is trying to negotiate a free agent deal with, if you if you say, hey, you can go talk to the Colts or the Commanders or whoever, you can be worried that he's trying to negotiate a free agent deal, but... You still have to let him talk to the teams. You still have to give Carr permission to talk to the other teams. Otherwise, he's just going to reject the trade. Like, you're just going to present him on February 14th. Hey, you got 24 hours to decide. You want to be traded to the Jets? That's not going to work. Well, is he going to reject if he doesn't think in free agency he'd make as much money? Well, I think he will make as much money. Like, if I'm Carr well, and his agent, I'm saying, yeah, we can go to, that's fine with us if we go to free agency. We'll sign a big deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, is if the, if you're not talking to the teams and you don't know that and you haven't, you know, exchanged numbers or at least gotten an idea of what they're going to pay, is that not still a chance you're taking, uh, in free agency to not get as much money? If, I mean, if you haven't, if you haven't had those discussions, right. if you haven't said, Hey, Indianapolis, if I get to free agency, what are we talking about here? Right. There's a chance. I also, uh, would think that Carr's agent if he's doing his job, has a good idea of what Carr will, will be able to ask for in free agency, right? Might not have a deal worked out, but he should have some idea of what a few teams would be willing to pay Derek Carr. He should. Right. And again, not exactly what the number is, but he should know, oh, I got three teams that are willing to give him $30 million a year, or nobody's willing to do more than 20 right? right. Like, if he should have some idea of ballpark numbers for what Carr would get as a free agent. So... Here's here's my question on this. If Carr has not been allowed to speak to teams, is there a chance the Raiders are just simply going to cut Carr and let him walk? 
Yeah, I think there is. And they've already decided that. Well, if, like you said, if, they, if they've if they started late on the trade market, are they going to wait to give him trades and he's going to reject them? And they think that, then they're probably going down the road of we'll just cut him. Which I think would be a pretty bad idea if you're the Raiders because you've got a quarterback. Well, I would try to trade for, him. Yeah, get traded for assets. I would try to trade time. him. He could say no picks. to everything. Yeah. Here's what I would do and what I think the Raiders might be doing. They are not going to actually try to trade Derek Carr until after the February 15th deadline. They are going to keep him on the roster, and after February 15th, they will try to trade Derek Carr. Because the problem for the Raiders is the timeline of the offseason and the timeline of other quarterbacks. If you're the Jets right now, would you rather have Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or Derek Carr? Aaron Rodgers. And then? Oh, it's tough because I don't think the Raiders should sign Tom Brady. But if you're the Jets, would you rather have Brady or Carr? If you're the Jets, maybe Brady. And every team that's quarterback needy that thinks they have a shot at Rodgers or Brady and honestly throw Lamar Jackson in there, we'll see what happens there. Every single one of those teams is going to wait. If you if you're the Jets and you just hired Nathaniel Hackett and you think there's any chance that you're going to get Aaron Rodgers, you don't make a trade for Derek Carr on February eighth. Right. You wait and see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. So if you're the Raiders, I think the the understanding they need to have and maybe they do have is that if you're trading Carr, it is not happening before February fifteenth unless all these other quarterback situations get resolved. Well, that's not going to happen. Right. If, you know, if in the next week Brady says, I'm coming back, I'm staying in Tampa. Rodgers and the Packers come out and say, we're we're going forward in 2023 with Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback. And Lamar Jackson and the Ravens sign a multi-year extension. If all that happens in the next week, then Carr jumps to the top of the list. And all of a sudden, any team that needs a quarterback might be looking at Derek Carr and saying, well, that's our best option outside of drafting somebody. That's our best option to get a quarterback this offseason. So if all that happens in the next week or so, then the Raiders are in a great spot to do it before February 15th. If none of that happens, then Derek Carr's the fourth most desirable quarterback. Now, the other three might not become available, but Carr's the fourth most desirable quarterback. And if I'm a quarterback needy team, I'm not jumping at Derek Carr until I know I can't get those other three guys. So I think the the smartest option for the Raiders is to let the February 15th deadline pass guarantee Derek Carr's contract for 2023 and then that extra 7 million for 2024 because what that does the leverage completely changes to the Raiders favor once February 15th passes yes they're taking a risk because they've got to pay him that money that money becomes guaranteed but right now Carr has the leverage because he can reject any trade once February 15th passes if he's still on the Raiders roster Derek Carr's options Derek Carr the guy who already said goodbye his options are do not play football or accept whatever trade the Raiders mm-hmm. offer to you. And I don't believe Carr is not going to play football. So once that deadline passes, sure, Carr's got a no trade clause. But if the Raiders come and offer him a trade and it's, hey, go play for a team you don't want to play for or don't show up to our practices, he's accepting the trade. So I think the absolute smartest thing they can do is let the contract guarantee on February 15th and then trade him. 
not saying you're wrong. Uh, he if he doesn't play though, he gets the money. Right? Well, I, I think he would I have mean, to. He, he, he can't gets, retire, but he would have to like. Hey, I'm showing up to stuff, and right. the Raiders would have to say, "No, no stay you're not. away. Stay away. We'll still pay you." Yeah. Like, he, yeah, then he'd get the money. That's the risk you're taking. Is do you believe Derek Carr wants to play? Exactly. And if you believe that Derek Carr would try to screw you and say, "Well, I'll show up to practice for you," even though nobody has any plans of me of playing, then you might lose out, and you might be paying Derek Carr forty million dollars over the next two years. But I don't believe that's going to happen, and I don't think anybody believes Derek Carr would say, "Oh." I'll just keep showing up to the Raiders practice, even though they're not. They don't want me. me. Right. So that I think gives the Raiders the best possible outcome, the most leverage. And at the end of the day, the key thing here, the most value for Carr when they move him, if they let him walk, they get absolutely no value. If they can trade him now, they're probably getting uh, bad value on a trade. If they wait, that's when they probably get the most value out of a trade for Derek Carr. Is anyone else kind of hoping that uh, the Derek Carr does continue to show up to like Raiders facilities and like remember when Tom Coughlin got like asked to no longer be with the Jags but would still use the team gym <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of had to be like no no Tom you were fired and he was like no no it was mutual and they're like no we want you to give us your parking pass cars just on a treadmill yeah <laughs> Every morning with Richie like, Incognito. Like, uh, <laughs> every morning, hey guys, yeah. Oh, I'm not playing. I'm just, <laughs> but I'm getting forty million dollars, yeah, getting my miles in for the morning. Yeah, would be good. All right, coming up next year on ESPN Las Vegas, UNLV basketball is back in action tonight. Lake bounces to Stevens. Stevens comes right side, gets double team. Stevens gives the ball Stay to Tanjay. Got him. Cornered him. No. And they bail him out. A foul on Vic Iwako. That is atrocious. Kevin Kruger came as close as I've seen him to getting a technical right there, and he gathered himself. Graney and Bischoff are back on the press box. Stop getting, stop gathering yourself and get a technical, Kevin Kruger. Come on. UNLV plays Colorado get State. Get yourself teed up. Tonight, 6 o'clock starts. Uh, you can hear it right here on ESPN Las Vegas. If you want to watch it, it's on the Good Mountain luck. West Network. It is not on television. More of my laptop? Uh, yes. So I feel like there's been a high number. UNLV's, I think they've already played two conference games that have been Mountain West Network only. This is another one. Yeah, the other when, one was Utah State. When they play San Jose State, that one's also on the Mountain West Network. And the final game of the season in Reno currently does not have a television network televising it. So that one could end up on the Mountain West Network as well. So we'd be looking at four, maybe, is that five games, conference games. That could end up on the Mountain West Network. Usually your non-conference game, because here's what happens. You and, or the Mountain West signs a deal with CBS Sports and with Fox Sports. FS1. And that's where their games are shown. During non-conference play, especially when you play on Saturday, you're almost never going to be on TV because of college football. Right. Right. They're, they're always going to take they're going to take a random college football game over pretty much any basketball game, especially a Mountain West game. So a lot of your non-conference games are going to end up on the Mountain West Network. But once you get into conference play, you're not going head-to-head with football. You should get most of your games on unless you're not compelling, in which the TV networks don't pick your game, which happened to UNLV. Now it'll end up being four or five times by the time we get to the end of the season, which is uh, not great. So, and they pick them beforehand. They do. They pick them well beforehand, so they don't know... 
you know. Yeah, they don't know who's going to be good and who's going to be bad. They have an idea. They can go on the Mountain West media poll and oh, have yeah. an idea, but they don't actually know who the best teams are. Um, but still, you don't you don't get picked four or five times in an 18-game schedule. It's not very good. Um, Ken Palm, by the way, projects Colorado State to win by one. It's effectively a toss-up game. Colorado State, though, two and seven in the Mountain West. They've lost three straight since they beat UNLV. So not great. Will Isaiah Stevens hit another half-court three? No. Are you sure about that? I'm positive. Okay. Another f- catch, land, over the head, bank. The, yes. No. The soccer throw-in. The soccer throw-in that the made it in the basket. I'm going to say no. He doesn't get one tonight. But we talked about it yesterday. The next three games, Colorado State on the road, home to Fresno, I believe, at Wyoming. Uh, oh, San Jose State mixed in there. Um they could go two and two. I think one of the road games they drop. I'm not sure which one here or Hawaii or excuse, here or Wyoming. They, if they've got any shot at having a decent seed in the Mountain West tournament, they've got to win at least two of the next three, if not all three of them. Um, I am curious to see tonight defending Isaiah Stevens because UNLV is no longer switching their centers on ball screens, which has been a big problem. I'm curious to see how how that works against Isaiah Stevens because he, here's the thing with Colorado State they're not very good and the only real thing you have to worry about is they are they are a decent offensive team they're bad defensively but they are a decent offensive team but the main thing you have to worry about is Isaiah Stevens and so how much do they overcompensate to defend him and maybe change something defensively specifically for Isaiah Stevens. Versus how much do they play their normal just sort of base defense and say we should be better than Colorado State because they should be better than Colorado State and they should be able to win this game. They should have won the game at home against Colorado State, um, both in regulation and overtime, but they didn't. And really, the only way you lose is if Isaiah Stevens goes off, which is what he did in the first matchup. So which how, he could at home. Right. How do you defend him? And that's probably going to be a big determination as to how does UNLV win this game? Um, and if they do. It'll be because they shut down Isaiah Stevens, most likely. I guess he could still go off and UNLV win, but you know he's going to have to have a good offensive night as well. Yeah, you got it. You you, you said it best. I mean, if you are going to climb to a state where it's only three and three days, these are not games you can lose because you still are at Boise, at San Diego State, at Reno. Um, I still think at Wyoming is not, a, not an easy game. You've got road games coming up where – you know, you're not going to be the favorite in. So you've got to do something here to win this game and then come home and beat Fresno, and then, you know, you go to Wyoming. Let me give you some stats for UNLV in conference play. Justin Webster in Mountain West play has made 56.1% of his threes, which is an insane number. The last Corner two, threes. Last three games, he's 10 of 15 from three-point range. He has been unreal from three in Mountain West play. And UNLV has a shooter. Jordan McCabe also shooting extremely well in conference play. He's at 43% from three during conference play. So they've had two guys shooting really, really well. On the flip side of that, EJ Harkless, Mm. who has taken the most threes in Mountain West play for UNLV, is shooting 19.1% from three. Hand warmers. He's 9 of 47 from beyond the arc in Mountain West play. 
And then Keyshawn Gilbert, who has not played as many minutes and has not taken as many threes. He's actually four, actually fifth in threes in conference play. But Keyshawn Gilbert is shooting 19% from three in Mountain West play. He's four of 21. What was supposed to be the two best offensive players on this team are both shooting under 20% from three-point range since Mountain West play started. I mean, then they're really happy about Justin Webster. It it balances out a little bit. They're still bottom half of the conference in three-point shooting, but they've got two guys that are really hot and two guys that cannot make a three. And here's here's the I part. I mean, 47 for Harkless. That's a lot of attempts. Oh, it's a ton. I mean, we're shooting 19%. And that's the part that I'm curious about. We have seen David Milwaukee almost completely benched. Yeah, right? he's out of the rotation. We've seen Keyshawn Gilbert head to the bench benched. in significant moments yep. during Mountain West play. We have seen Kevin Kruger put guys on the bench when they are playing poorly or just not doing what Kevin Kruger wants. I don't know if you have to bench him, but at what point do you tell EJ Harkless, stop shooting threes, man, like 19% and you're taking the most on the team. It's not very good. And here's the thing. He's a better shooter than that, but his two years at Oklahoma, he shot 32.1 and 32.3%. So he's not great. He's never been a great three-point shooter. And this year as a whole, he's shooting 23% on 113 attempts. There's got to be a point where you rein in his shooting because you cannot have a guy taking, what is that, five threes a game and shooting 19% from that. You just can't have that. So we've seen Kruger do it with a lot of guys in some questionable and some understandable situations when does Harkless get reined in from three? I mean, he gets on rolls, but not from three. Never. So I don't think you can take him out. Right. But you probably have to have, like you said, the conversation with him about like, hey, get off the bounce, try to get to the rim, do stuff like that more so than hitting threes. Because if I'm if I'm guarding UNLV right now and EJ Harkless has the ball, I'm backing up. I'm backing up, yeah. I'm standing five feet yeah. and I'm saying, all right, go ahead. Yep. You're, you're shooting 19%. You're going to have to make three before I right. worry about you knocking down a three-pointer. Like, I'm not guarding him on the three-point line. I'm saying, all right, you want to... He, what he's best at is driving, creating contact, right. and knocking down a and shot from the, And getting away. the free-throw line. And it's much easier for me to guard and prevent that if I if just back up. my feet off and let you shoot the three. That's how I would defend it. Now, Justin Webster, I'm going to uh, give him a hug anytime he catches the ball on the three-point line right. and not let him shoot it. Because that guy can't miss at the moment. But Harkless has just not been good, and he's not really worth defending if you're on the other team. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Subscribe to The Distraction, a multitude production for Defector. Listen to The Distraction wherever you get your podcasts. He is adorned in flannel and still doesn't have a building super. He eats soup cooked on a hot plate. David Roth from Defector is here to tell us about his uninstalled appliances. David, I saw a picture of you last week, and that's going to prompt this question. Where is your oven at the moment? First of all, that picture was not for public dissemination. (laughs) (laughs) I sent it to Jared on purpose. I, uh... I also said it to some other friends. So our wall oven is not in the wall. 
it's near a wall. It's on the other side of the wall that it's supposed to be in at this time. However, uh, I'm hearing good things about the possibility that it might be back in the wall, not operational, but not in the dining room uh, by the time we get back from Los Angeles, which is where I am right now. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's not ideal. The good news is I wasn't able to use it anyway. So it could pretty much have been anywhere. There was just there's a brief moment where I almost stubbed my toe on the, you know, the like drawer under your oven where you can keep like roasting pans and stuff. Yep. And that would have been an embarrassing injury. Would have been uh, just to explain to anybody. You your refrigerator in the uh, living room away from never having to go in your kitchen. <laughs> so I've had the refrigerator in my living room in the past. This is how long I've lived in this apartment. This was when we got it. This was uh, like. The old one was not working very well. Uh, my dad was like, I got to get your refrigerator. This is important. You know, like, you got to have cold food. And I was like, I know, man. It's like, I'm aware of like pasteurization. Like, I know this is important. <laughs> so he impulse bought a fridge, had it delivered to my home, which was nice. And then it was just too big to get in the kitchen. And so it's, it sat in the living room for a little while. And we got the door widened. This all seemed like, in retrospect, incredibly easy relative to everything else that I've had to do since. Like, in this point, it was just like I had a guy come in and we took a thing off and then we moved the fridge in and it's been there ever since. Uh, that apparently is much easier to do than getting an outlet installed in the same kitchen in the year 2023. So just so everybody's aware, we have been talking to you about a dishwasher that does not work for over a year and you yes. are going backwards because instead of getting the dishwasher running and functional your oven is now non-functional and not in the right location well these are t yes well look the short answer to your question is yes <laughs> but <laughs> the, the longer one is that there, there are two, sort of two separate problems one of them is that the building is old and being dragged into the uh, 21st century like a lot of new york city buildings are that's why the um stove and the oven aren't working the other thing is that the building is like a uh, like basically functions about as efficiently as like the Polish government did in 1981. Like it is a very dense Soviet bureaucratic experience. And so getting the electrician to come in has been a problem. But because they have to get an electrician in to upgrade the area around where the stove and the oven would be, I think that we've got a chance of that guy uh, doing the other work I need in the kitchen. The other electrician uh, stopped texting me back after, like, oh. we got pretty close. Yeah, it's great. No one wants to do it. No one wants to come into our weird building and be like, why is your oven there? And then I tell them, <laughs> you're the only people that care. And it means so much to me that we've been able to talk about it for 15 consecutive months. Have you talked to other tenants? Is this, like, a <laughs> yeah. normal thing, or is it just you? No, so that was actually, like, this is a really good question, because that was tearing me up where I was like, they think they can give me the hi hat like this. Like, cause I'm why? Because I'm nice because I'm handsome. And I thought <laughs> the that lived above me, um, who's like been on the board and has been in the building, like basically since it started. And this was like small talk in the building right now, where she was like, where's your wall oven? And I was like, in the, in the dining room, where's yours? And she's like, Oh, same. <laughs> so, so we are both going through it. It's a new, apparently some new code thing where they need to like move some plugs, but the, uh, it did make me feel better. I mean, it didn't make me feel better. Like I feel bad for her. Like she's just eating Thai food takeout every night, but the, I, I also feel a little bit better that it's not just everybody trying to get over on Davy cause they know they can do it. <laughs> All right. 
I have an important NBA question for you. Good. All right. Because I'm happy to keep going on this stuff if you want. But <laughs> no, yeah, I, go ahead. I think this is actually better. Um, how many NBA players would grab a camera to show a referee that he missed a call? I would have said zero <laughs> until <laughs> even knowing Pat Beverly's body of work. That was so that whole uh, ordeal with the officiating, I think, had some really poignant loser energy about it. But the Pat Bev part was great. Uh, walking over there, I hadn't seen, I'd seen people talking about it on Twitter and I was sort of wondering how that would work. And the version of it that actually happened was the funniest one because it's just kind of a small camera. So you don't initially notice that he's walking up to the ref and he's got anything. And then he starts holding this thing out and it looks like a camera that like you might use to take pictures on vacation. Uh, and <laughs> the ref is so instantly like, aware that this is crossing like not even a bright line i don't think anyone had thought of it <laughs> like this is one of those where it might not be technically illegal to walk up to a ref and show him a digital image of a call that he missed but it's only because that technology didn't exist and patrick beverly never thought of it until like last week <laughs> my main question is whose camera do you think it was and if you were a media member taking photos are you giving patrick beverly your camera I mean, I probably guess. I think if you're approached by a um, sweaty and unreasonable Patrick Beverly uh, during an NBA game, you're just sort of like, yes, sir, right away, sir, probably, like regardless of whatever he's asking. But that was, I mean, I don't know, like, it didn't look like the cameras that the baseline people use because those are like big, fancy, like flashy things. Like that's a two-handed thing. You can't sneak up on a ref carrying one of the cameras that the baseline people use. You'd be like, why are you, but is that a lawnmower? And then as you got closer, they would realize what you had in your hand. In this case, though, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, although there would be a part of me, I mean, just the part of me that, that talks too much, that would be like, okay, but what are you going to use it for? Is <laughs> <laughs> there someone you want to photograph in the crowd? You can just tell me. <laughs> no, I got to take it to the ref. <laughs> right, no, I got to walk it over to this guy and get myself ejected <laughs> from the basketball game I'm in right now. Hang on, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Do you... Does it infuriate you that they just swallow the whistles on that? I think it was a blown call. The part of it that was weird to me was that, so the, I should be fair about this. The Lakers did get screwed a bunch of games in a row uh, on officiating stuff. I think that saying that LeBron doesn't get whistles is like, I don't know about that one uh, at this point, but that call especially was a miss. What was surprising to me was the kind of like heartfelt, groveling apology that they issued the next day where they were like, referees are human too. We miss calls where I have never, that's the part I've never seen in terms of duffing calls, even duffing calls on superstars. They usually get whistles like that's just the cost of doing business. That's the NBA. There's too many games. People are going to make mistakes. I don't know what it means that they apologize like that, but that was the part that felt different to me. Did that, I mean, do you have any memory of like, not just like individual refs, but like the refs, union organization ever doing anything like that? Well, there's never been a camera presented to the ref's face before <laughs> overtime what it started was. to prove him wrong. Finally, getting to see not just a, a digital replay, but an actual small image of yourself <laughs> screwing up on TV. That was the key. Um, <laughs> all right. I do not have one of these. So if you do feel more than welcome to share it, do you have a hot take, a strong opinion on Scott Rowland in the Hall of Fame? I mean, I like it. I'm a, I'm a sort of a big hall uh, person in general, but I think that I guess the thing that I have, this is, you know, 
terminal stage being online and writing about sports for too long. I think I'd more have a hot take about the people that have a hot take on Scott Rowland being in the Hall of Fame. He was great. You know, like the comparing raw numbers and stuff of, you know, like this guy, he had this many homers and this guy, you know, had this many homers. If it is the sort of thing that works to get Keith Hernandez and maybe Andrew Jones in the Hall of Fame, that's fine. I mean, I just thinking back on the, the players that, I mean, Roland never played for a team that I remotely liked during his entire major league career. So I wouldn't say he gave me a lot of pleasure, but he was great. He was one of the best defensive third basemen I've ever seen. He was always a good enough hitter to be annoying. I mean, to me, that's like if there's a, someone from a generation that I remember as being distinctively good, that I'm inclined to have that person be in the Hall of Fame if they were like that for 10 years or more. And I think he absolutely was. I think there's a lot of guys that were like that that because they didn't have the power stats or because they never won a batting title or, you know, just played a position where the people didn't consider the defense to be as important like Keith Hernandez, that those guys sort of did get screwed. The Veterans Committee seems like it might fix some of that. It also put Harold Baines in, so I have no idea what their criteria are. Maybe it's just like being a cool guy. Matt nice. Baines was a cool guy. I guess I have a big enough hall guy that I'm like, yeah, put Harold Baines in too. I like his beard. <laughs> Uh, I think we should just do, if you are in MLB Network's top 10 at your position for a decade, you get to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, and then the debates then become like, uh, you know, was Albert Bell's peak good enough? And like that to (laughs) me is more fun than, you know, tabulating stuff. And, you know, the the thing with Roland that I get about people being annoyed is that when people point to wins above replacement as the criteria, like, I think it's a good criteria, I think, because it's as, you know, as good a comprehensive stat as we've got. I also know that it sounds really annoying when people do it. And I completely get uh, just reacting to it on that level and being like, oh, yeah, like blank, blank, point blank, you weenie. And that, yeah, sure, like we need to find a better way to talk about it. But I don't think we found a better way to think about it exactly. I just think people forgot about him. I saw Scott Rowland made it, and I'm like, what? Yeah, well, that was the thing, because he was... Like, he was good, but he wasn't in the sort of way where it's like, you remember the Scott Rowland game? Like, it was like, if you watched a lot of baseball for, like, 15 years, you knew that he was good. And then, yeah, like, then there was another guy that was roughly as good that you could just think about instead, which is, you know, how life works, I guess. Well, he is David Roth. He is currently at negative 2.0 appliances above replacement. David, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, David. P- pleasure to join you guys on local time. Thanks very much. See you. <laughs> So there's David Roth joining us uh, and has his oven in his dining room, which does not help his dishwasher at all. I think you're right, Ed. He's pretty soon just the fridge is going to be in. He'll never have to go in the kitchen. Why would you want to go in the? Why would you go in the kitchen after that? Get rid of. Just turn that into like a bedroom, like or an office or something like that, and have all your appliances somewhere else. Might not be convenient, but might be hard to watch television. Yeah. Oh well. Put a TV. (laughs) Some fridges have screens, but the your fridge can just be your TV now. (laughs) Multitask here. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some basketball. Russ driving, throws it. Thomas Bryant count it, and there it is. Russ is now alone in the top ten in assists. He's tenth. He just passed GP, and we're going to get an and one for Thomas Bryant. Back to the Finley Toyota Studios for Granny and Bischoff on the press box. Is this the second day in a row you've played a Thomas Bryant highlight? Maybe there's no sound. Did you want me to pull Purdue? Luca went for 50 yesterday. There was a game where two guys went for 40 in the same one. Right. And I assumed you guys were going to discuss that in the front page. (laughs) 
All right. Very important. I was also story. looking at the wrong rundown. Uh, this uh, TMZ has a story that a 22-year-old coach posed as a 13-year-old yes. on a JV basketball team. Arlisha Boykins, she was an assistant coach at Churchland High School in Virginia. Their JV team had a player that was going to miss a game because she had a club basketball game. So the coach, she decided to suit up and play. And there is video from a uh, local TV broadcast of her blocking a shot and her making an and one layup and celebrating. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. Uh, 22 and she passes for 13. Right? So in the video, she's not much taller than some of the other players. So clearly not, you know, 5'10", 22-year-old. She's... Same seven as most of them. Um, she oh, was yeah, fired. Right. Girls in middle school were always taller. <laughs> she was fired. Uh, and the JV team opted out of playing the yeah, rest know, of the season. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. I don't part. either. They don't have a coach. I mean, <laughs> have one of the 13 year olds, but then she's 22 and, and, and coach the team. So, all right. First question. Not a question. I'm, I'm going to make this a statement. God, I would have loved to have done that. When I like 22 and be like, yep, I'm playing against the 14 year olds today. I'm blocking all of their shots and <laughs> wagging my finger in their face. Would have been a ton of fun. But my my actual question here Who else knew when she did this? Obviously, well, the players on the, the team. The players knew. knew who she was, obviously. I mean Who the, was coaching the JV team? Yeah. And, did the other team think they showed up without a coach? Yeah, and people at the school. Right. Oh, there she is. There's a, there's a uh, Arlisha. Arlisha, I just saw you in the <laughs> You were just teaching geography. Yeah, I just saw you in the teacher's lounge. <laughs> I mean, h- how do you get away with this? And now you're blocking Well, you didn't Samantha get away with shot. it, but how, how doesn't someone say something before the game? Right. Why is Arlisha out there in the layup line? Right. I, that's the part I don't, because obviously there are people that would have known. Yes. The players on the team. Now, I'm not going to blame the 13-year-olds on the team for being like, why is coach out here? All right, whatever. I'll high-five her when she blocks the other team's shot. I Yeah, let's win. But, like, if you were... How bad do you got to be as the kid who never took off your snap pants and you're like, wait, <laughs> coach is playing over me? If you're a parent... You know who she is. Right. And you're, I don't know, I assume at least some parents were at this JV game. Yeah, of course. You'd be like, wait, that girl transfer it? No, that's the, what? That's the, that's coach? the coach? That's the assistant coach. <laughs> How did she get away with it for more, for even the start of the game? Yeah. That's the part I don't get. How did she get away with it when she was supposed to be on the sideline coaching and instead she's got a jersey do on? Do we know if she played the entire game? Uh, I do not know if she played the entire game. Uh, I just know that the... There was a broadcast, or not a broadcast. There was like a TV news station there that had footage of her blocking a shot and everything else. I mean, I give credit for the TV news station going to a JV basketball game. <laughs> you don't usually see that. We do need a stat line. Yeah. For our Alicia Boykins. How, how long are JV games? What are those? Four? Are they, they're less than 40 minutes, right? I mean, are they two 10 minute halves? Eight to 10 minutes. Quarters? quarters, you think they play? Right. You think they play thirty six? Yeah. So thirty six minutes. Eight I want to see a stat quarters? line of like 
34 minutes, 47 points. <laughs> 22 rebounds, yes. 8 blocks. I think she she had to get more than 8, right? No assists because she just That's wanted right. to score oh, every time. Not. She didn't want an assist. Of course not. We don't we don't rack up the assists around here. I want the I would have passed you, but in practice you don't follow directions. <laughs> <laughs> Did she call timeouts while she was on the floor? And then draw plays. The only, yeah, Get me the ball. Me the Just pass to me. <laughs> Dribbling down the court, putting her fingers up, and the kids are like, Coach, we, do, we, we don't, don't have know that what play. that is. <laughs> Just feed me the rock. So, um, yeah, so that happened. Uh, 23-year-old pose, or 22-year-old posing as a 13-year-old is a absolutely phenomenal story. wonder if she was, well, I wonder if she was a teacher and was she fired from that, too. Um, because she was obviously fired the, as the assistant coach. The story is she's no longer an employee of the public school district. Okay, so she got fired from everything. Right. So I'm guessing, yeah, was a teacher and is no. <laughs> I mean, doesn't really impede her, like you said, teaching geography. You saying I mean, they should bring her back? Yeah, bring her back as a teacher, <laughs> not as a coach. I wouldn't yeah, ever coach we, anybody. We have a teacher shortage in this country. Yeah, exactly. No one wants to be a teacher right now. Right? She does, <laughs> and she apparently really gets to know her students. That's right. So, uh, why'd you get fired from your last job? Well, <laughs> our best player was I, at a club basketball game. It was an and one, right? And I just had to block this little girl shot. So I threw on the jersey, and we went out there, and I dominated. Yeah. And people weren't happy about it. So 22-year-old is Because I went 20 and 10. That's right. If I got there late, and I'm a parent, and I walk in, and I see Arlisha, I'm like, what's the coach doing out on the floor? <laughs> the, no. parents, the parent uh, situation, like you said, surprises me. Like, no one would have said anything? Right. You look at the scoreboard, you go, well, I better hold my tongue. <laughs> Your daughter's the one on the bench not playing, yeah, and, and the coach is in? Yeah, never gets any time? 